why you're not live? Everyone yes. freaking knows you're not live. Why, <laughs> why are we treating people like they're not intelligent? We Hello and welcome to episode 92 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is the marketing and the F. This is what you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, and this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with marketing friends, old and new, that I've met through my career as a marketing leader and trusted advisor, and hopefully share with you some marketing street knowledge that my guests and I have picked up along the way. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. This episode was recorded on Friday the 10th of December. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that Jeff is away until the new year. I have a wonderful guest, Nora Sudeth, founder and CRO of Hello Audio. And Robert Rose, my friend and content marketing guru, is in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Right, let's get started, shall we? If you're a regular listener, you'll know that at this point, I'm normally joined by my chum, Jeff Clark, who's traveling for his holidays. And for his fans, I can report he has safely arrived in Europe. So with Jeff away, I have the Rockstar CMO penthouse studio to myself, and I get to inflict my thoughts on you. This week, I want to talk about the brand story we tell, and specifically, what is the story our audience needs us to tell? Or maybe to flip this in a more Seth Godin direction, how do we support or influence the story the buyer tells themselves? Often, like a lot of marketing, we talk about our product and services and build the message and story around that. We justify its features, talk about what we do, how it is leading, of course, and talk about our view of the problem we solve. From our tagline, elevating message to our messaging pillars, we build this from an inside-out perspective. And this isn't just about the stories we tell about our products and services, but also our values and people. It's a story about us. But what does the audience need from our stories? And more specifically, what does the buyer need? Especially as we share, often on the show, the buyer is consuming way more content before they come into contact with you. In developing our content, quite rightly, we talk about addressing customers' pains and being the best answer to their questions. Well, the buyer is trying to make a decision. This is their first problem or task. Regardless of what they are buying and the business pain they are trying to solve, making a decision is their immediate pain. Consider that Gartner and Forrester earn over $50 billion helping companies make decisions and the ROI calculators, buyer's guides and syndicated analyst content and influencer content always performs well in B2B campaigns is because they are serving a buyer trying to make a decision. Even in B2B, our buyers are making an emotional decision. There are careers and peer prestige are on the line. Being like everyone else doesn't help with that. For example, at the start of the pandemic, Martin went all in on empathy, but this came at the expense of any kind of differentiated messaging as everyone was doing it. To that point, we normally focus the story we think the buyer wants to hear on tasks, functions and business pain, and we design our personas around job function. And if we're a bit cleverer, we cluster around their needs. But what about how they feel? For example, the story you need to tell a risk-averse IT decision maker could have way more in common with what a risk-averse marketing stakeholder needs to hear than if you define these personas based on job title. When we talk about empathy, let's have some empathy for the person who has to make the decision. 
and we can dive into personas probably on another week. And maybe, and whisper this in your boardroom, the most helpful thing your content can do for them and ultimately for your company in the long term is to make it clear you are not for them, making the decision easier for them with one less choice. And also, you'll save each other a great deal of time in a procurement process discovering there's a bad fit. Or if you do get it across the line, your sales team may high-five each other over success in an account that was won against the odds, but you've put a ticking time bomb into your customer support and success program. In content marketing, we talk about being helpful and useful, and the most useful thing we can do is to help with this decision. So the first order of business is you need to be different. Explain why and how. And if you will pardon me using the second word of the year from marketing in 2021 after empathy, to do this authentically, to reveal to the buyer who you are and what working with you will be like. Maybe you are a bit too bleeding edge for them. And that's okay. To be different means some people won't like you. And as I said, ultimately, that could be good for you both. That's my thought for this week. Think about the story your buyer needs needs to hear and you need to tell and help them make a decision. And with Jeff away, I get to choose the tune this week. So for the line, what if I say I'm not like the others? I'm going to go with The Pretender by The Foo Fighters from 2007. Fabulous bit of the foos there. I once met Dave Gold in his favourite bar in DC, an absolute gent. Anyway, that's enough from me and about me. On to my guest this week, Nora Sudeth, co-founder of Hello Audio. She is a leading marketing and conversion strategist who has helped businesses sell over $500 million worth of products and services online. She's also designed several courses, coaching and certification programs that have generated millions more. Nora has over 20 years of experience working with startups to Fortune 500 companies and everything in between, from marketing positioning and messaging to offers and sales strategies. She's consulted on thousands of marketing campaigns to help businesses have authentic, compelling conversations with their clients. I'm a huge fan of audio, really intrigued by what the Hello Audio product can do and delighted to have Nora on the show. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Nora. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing very well. And we find you in, in Indiana, correct? 
Yes, just north of Indianapolis, Indiana, a little suburb called Carmel. So it's not Carmel by the Sea in mm-hmm. Carmel, California. It is Carmel by the Corn here in Indiana. Nice, very nice. And for listeners that aren't aware of your work, Nora, tell us a bit about yourself. Awesome. I am actually the co-founder of Hello Audio. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... Gosh, I came from corporate, so I've got that corporate background, 15-plus year career there, and Mm -hmm. I've now helped sell over half a billion dollars of stuff online. So that's me. I think that's amazing. I mean, I've never kept kept that kind of track of things that I've helped sell, you know, as a marketer over the years. I've spent most of my time marketing technology. So probably some of those enterprise deals, maybe I could come yep. up with that's, that's a good number. I like that. And you're now, you founded Hello Audio. So tell us a bit about what, what does Hello Audio do? I'm intrigued. Oh, Hello Audio. We specialize in private podcasts. We do public mm-hmm. podcast hosting as well, mm-hmm. but really where we shine is our private podcast hosting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, sometimes people aren't familiar with what yeah. private podcasting really is. A lot of yes. folks know what public podcasts are, and that's yeah. what we typically see is what we're listening to now. <laughs> yeah. the, the biggest difference between a private and a public podcast mm-hmm. is that public podcasts are available for anyone to right. subscribe to, right? They're open to the general public. You can yep. go on all of your podcast directories. Mm-hmm. You get to search for it. We subscribe. But private podcasts, you get to control who gets access to it and right. for how long. So it's really meant to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's, you can use it behind an opt-in if you wanted to get someone's email address in exchange for a private podcast. It's something that people could pay for if you wanted to podcast your course or podcast right. some other premium content. But that's usually, that's the biggest difference. It's just, it's, it's more controlled who gets access to it and for how long. Oh, cool. And um, so it's, I mean, I guess it'd be crude to say as a B2B marketer myself, it's like, it's like a webinar, but in podcast form in that you register for webinars and stuff. So you'd register for a podcast. Yep, you can. You can register for a podcast. You can actually podcast your webinar. And I can talk about that because we've had clients do that and they get crazy conversion rates on the back end. And do people subscribe to individual episodes? Do they they subscribe to the whole thing and that kept The whole feed. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, but we at Hello Audio, we do something kind of cool where Mm -hmm. we actually provide your ability to unlock and lock episodes based on individual listeners, which is what general podcasts, public podcasts, you can't do that. It's the same content content for everyone. But with private podcasts, you get to control what episodes people get to hear. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, you could give someone a preview if you had a membership site or maybe you had 30 days of meditations, a product, an audio product. You Mm -hmm. can give someone a quick preview and then they would pay and you can unlock the rest. So it's usually by feed. Nice. And and can people access, I mean, it's like um, like some of the paid podcasting platforms they're trying to bring in on Spotify and stuff, isn't it? Where you can pay for by subscription, but yep. this is more of a corporate, as a B2B marketer, I could then um, use that as part of my nurture and, and invite people to podcasts. And I see, yes. Yeah. There's so yeah. many ways you can use private pack. The, the one difference between us and how some of these other private subscription-based models where we don't take a cut of your profits. So, <laughs> okay. you know, unlike... Um, some of the other like Spotify and Apple started mm-hmm. doing this and you know yeah. there's there's other platforms that are out there yeah you don't we're not taking a cut of what you're charging your people so right. you get to control all of your your profits who gets access all of it and you can private podcasts can be used on the front end for marketing yeah. and also on the back end for fulfillment and there's lots mm. of other things in between that right. are really great use cases that our users have have done 
Right. So you could run a, a support podcast, for example, talk about your product, new features and stuff like that. If you, if you, I mean, I'm obsessed with B2B marketing technology. So I'm, I'm just yeah. thinking about that scenario. So yeah. So you, you could have a community, technical community. They, they, they get a private, ah, that's, uh, yep. that's you can do updates. So mm-hmm. you can let people know what new things have happened. Yeah. You can onboard new clients, right. audio onboarding. So yeah. there, because no one's logging into your membership site and watching your <laughs> videos. Let's just call it what it is. No one really wants to do it. But if you give them a private podcast, whether yeah. you're onboarding a client or even employees, mm-hmm. it's a great way to be able to communicate, have a private message from their supervisor, yeah. you know, in there. Yeah. There's, there's so many use cases that you can use it for. Right. That's cool. Well, that sounds exciting. I mean, hello, audio sound. Sounds, sounds interesting. So, so that's on that. And where would people find it? I mean, I'll ask you later about all the links, but is yep, that Hello you can Audio? Go, yep, HelloAudio.fm. And there's no credit card required. You can just sign up for a free trial and just test it nice. out. Have fun with it. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was intrigued. So when bef- before we started recording, I was intrigued by Hello Audio. So that's why I've let you <laughs> sell the platform because obviously I'm interested in podcasting. That's what we do here. Um, and the one of the things I've heard you talk about before is the intimacy of audio. Why do you think it's so important? Why would you say that podcasting, private or otherwise, is so much better than printed or any other way that you might communicate? You know, it's it's a different channel. It's a different medium. And, mm-hmm. and what you're able to communicate truly comes across. You know, we talk a lot about branding and marketing yeah. and, you know, what our site looks like. And yeah. we like, but a lot of times we don't think about what our, what our brand sounds like. Yeah. And you know, what, how, what better way to do that than with audio and yeah. your, your intonation, right? All of the yeah. ups and downs and, and really your passion comes through. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, some people are amazing writers, not everyone, yeah. but yeah, some yeah. people are amazing writers and they're able to be able to convey that emotion. Yeah. But man, there's really nothing that does it quite like <laughs> audio and a lot audio really allows your people to take you on the go Mm. right so if we want to talk about the main benefits of audio and why we're seeing it completely blow up right we've seen clubhouse we've seen so many things happen over the last 18 months especially with the pandemic and all the things it's it's convenient Mm -hmm. right i don't know anyone whose audience isn't on the go right and your content truly should be too and by using audio Think about it. You're now unlocking all of the hours of the day where they're not sitting here at this little box and yeah. they're on the screen where they're, you know, looking at the screen all the time with, with podcasts specifically, you're able to hit play, stick yeah. your phone in your pocket and just go about your day. And yeah. now you're able to not only increase reach, but with private podcasts and being able to tailor messages based on individual subscribers, which is really, mm. we're really talking about kind of an, of the world's first audio CRM and mm. podcast personalization. Mm-hmm. Now it's not even just reach, it's also relevancy. So yeah. now, I mean, this audio marketing is, is mm-hmm. it really, if you're not doing it, get on the bus, get on the train, <laughs> the train has left the station. No, I really like it. And I agree with you because, I mean, I'm a big fan of podcasts. I mean, if, if, if you follow me on social, I'm always talking about other people's podcasts. I'm always sharing about other people's podcasts on this podcast um, because, I mean, I try, and, I try and walk an hour a day and that's my podcast time, right? I can't, for some reason, I can't listen to podcasts and work at the same time. I can, I can do things like wash up or cook or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any of those things or walk or exercise, but I can't work in podcasts. But you're right. All that time when I'm not on the screen, I tend to be listening to something. And, you yep. know, there's the, you know, one of the guys that's going to be on the show in a moment, uh, Robert Rose, I listen to him while I'm cooking and he's my, he's my Friday, you know, I'm always listening to him on a Friday. So, yeah, so, I, yeah. And, and people make time, they, they also expect you, don't they, on certain days and they get that, 
they feel like they know you because they listen to you. And I think it's that level of intimacy that you get with audio is so different, isn't it? It's so different. I mean, if you think too, I mean, people are literally by putting their earbuds or their headphones yeah. on, they're closing out the rest of the world. Yeah. And you're you're able to be in their in their ears, in their yeah. head, right? Yeah. So your voice, listening to your voice just creates a different type of dynamic yeah. than when they have 25 to sometimes 100 different tabs open yeah. and they're going from one thing to the <laughs> next, right? Yeah. It just doesn't create that type of no. intimacy or strong relationship yeah. or connection. Really, this is about connection. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that's stronger than with video? I mean, the problem with video is that you have to be, you have to watch it. I mean, right. And how many times have we clicked the video, but then we, we're doing something else, right? Or we're multitasking very rarely when I do user studies and I see people watch videos, they click the video, but then they immediately start multitasking. Very rarely are they ever solely Mm. focused and and only doing what Mm. they're doing on the video. So Mm. yeah, sometimes, and I'm not anti-video by any stretch. I love video. I think it's great. But it's it's not always convenient for us to mm-hmm. listen to. I mean, even look at the course creation space. Yeah. It, depending on what study you read, right? It, it course completion rates are anywhere from three percent, which is abysmal, to yeah. maybe twenty yeah. percent. And why is it? Because we're making it too damn hard for people to listen to your stuff. Mm. Why are we making it so hard? I mean, everyone listening to this has something to say. You have a mm. message. You have something mm. to get out of the world. Right, yeah. whether it's about your product, your service, or, or you yeah. know something that's important to you, why are we making it so hard yeah. for people to listen? Yeah, yeah. And one thing that struck me there is, I think, from Marx's perspective, like where you're talking about why we make it so hard. The reason why we make it so hard is because we want data, right? So we put our content behind a gate, or we want video mm-hmm. because we can see on YouTube the number of views. The problem with podcasting, and I think a lot of podcasters share this, is the data is quite poor. It's very hard to get an understanding. So. Do you guys solve that problem for marketers? Because that would be important too, isn't it? It's that whole attribution thing to know who did it and all that stuff. Yes. And, there, and so this was really important to mm-hmm. us as, as product creators because we come from this space. Yeah, we are yeah, marketers. Yeah. We are entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so each of our private feeds can be tied to a specific email address. Right. What that allows you to do then is to see, all right, did Bob watch wow. this or listen to this episode? Yeah. And you yeah. can actually take triggers based on their listener behavior. So if Mm -hmm. I downloaded and activated a specific feed, or if you you, you put me in your private podcast for your launch, right? And all of a sudden, you know, I listened to your webinar episode, you should tag me in your CRM, or you should give me a specific tag, because you know, now I have a different awareness level in the pipeline than some other listener. So yes, by individual email address, you can tell listener behavior. Yeah, nice. I I like that. I'd love to know the email addresses of both of my listeners. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but anyway, back to you. You're talking about your background a little bit there and, and, and developing this product and becoming an entrepreneur. But you've got a really interesting career from marketing technology to IT. You've, you've helped a wide range of organizations with their marketing strategies. What inspired you to get into marketing? Oh, that's a great question. Because at first it wasn't on the radar. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I was super hardcore technical. I, my first degree was in computer science. Yeah. Like, talk about total nerd. Um, yeah. and, I, and I loved it. But the more I got into kind of the technical aspect of it, mm-hmm. and then I went into, I did UI design for, yeah. for a number of years in project nice. management and started getting into the business. But what drove me ultimately mm-hmm. was I'm obsessed with customer success. Wow. Obsessed yeah. with customer success. And yeah. so 
what's the best way to ensure that your customer has success? Well, be obsessed with your product or Mm -hmm. your service and make it the best possible, make it world-class, right? And so, but how do you get people in the door? You can have the most amazing world-class product or service and if no one's hearing about it or you kind of suck at telling people what it is or in in a very articulate, compelling way, that's going to be hard for those people to have success if they don't know how great your thing is and how easy it is for them or whatever that might be for your product. And so I kind of got into marketing is, is I worked with these big businesses or these, you know, I I went, I went, I've worked from everyone from startup to fortune 500 company. And when you really believe in your stuff, Mm -hmm. you kind of naturally want to be a marketer. You, you naturally tell people about your stuff. And so I kind of gravitated toward marketing as a way to ultimately enable more people to have Mm -hmm. success. Mm -hmm. And so by being driven by that, I think Mm -hmm. it makes me a better marketer because Mm -hmm. I kind of have um, more empathy for for users. I have um, genuine, it's not just a money grab. I actually Mm -hmm. care. I give a damn if they're going to use the product, right? So I think ultimately that does help with marketing. But that's why I made the switch from kind of climbing the corporate ladder and merger and acquisition land and all those, you know, systems that scale and operationally on the back end to marketing. Yeah, I like that. I I speak to, I mean, I'm one myself. I speak to a lot of marketers who went, who made that transition from technical to becoming marketers, particularly in marketing technology where that, that transition has happened. I think it's interesting though, because you must sit on that cusp where if you're developing a product, we've all been in that situation in marketers where you've got the development team thinking we're going to win market share by adding more features. And they're wondering why the hell have we got a marketing team? And then you've got the marketers going, we need, we need to sell what we have on the truck and get this out there. And I'm an evangelist for this thing. It's amazing. Yeah. And you've got the developers going, yeah, but I just need one more feature. And that would be, how do you balance that? Well, as a marketer, I mean, you've, you've worked on both sides. What's your view? You have to know your customers. Yeah. You have to know what's important to them because it, you know, we've all talked about and you've been involved in product launches when yeah. you're you're doing the MVP, right? The minimum yeah. viable product. Yeah. And you know, what does that look like? That doesn't mean shitty version A. <laughs> right? Yeah. That yeah. means being able to release something in mm. in something that will your customers, your audience will find tremendous value in. Yeah. That's yeah. really what it means. Yeah. So when when you know your audience intimately, when you're not mm. afraid to speak with them, right? Mm-hmm. Don't be don't be the man or woman behind the curtain, right? Mm-hmm. We have to actually get our get out and speak with our audience. When yeah. you know them intimately, you know what's really going to help them. That makes it a little bit easier to kind of solve the mm. the feature war, right? The yeah. marketing versus product development. And because I have been on both sides of it, I think yeah. it makes it a lot easier at Hello Audio to know where to invest your dollars, yeah. right? I mean, you know startups, yeah, they, exactly. you only have so much resources, so, so many yeah. resources to invest. So do you invest those in marketing or do you invest those in product development? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, your audience can help you right. know the answer to that right. question. Yeah, I like that. And too, too many times when you talk about MVPs is the focus on the minimum and less on the viable rights. We've all seen that. I think we've all paid for that. Oh my. So, I mean, as a, as a techie, have you ever gone to the development team when you've asked for something and gone, look, if you don't do it, I will. (laughs) And and they get get scared when somebody from marketing says, what you can code. (laughs) (laughs) So not at Hello Audio, only because we have an amazing development team, Mm -hmm. but in other businesses, oh yes. Oh yeah. I'm going to fix this so it's actually pretty what do you mean oh i i know css like yeah, I, i've done yeah. front-end development i can actually do this yeah, yeah. Uh, which is 
which is slightly terrifying, I think. And yeah. granted, I am a little older than yeah. than the new developers coming out of, of yeah. college these days. So they kind of look at me and they're like, what language? COBOL? I'm like, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> We're trans 77. Yeah, funny. <laughs> funny, guys. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, but you'd make a killing. I mean, they can laugh. I think at the moment, if you're a co- COBOL developer, I mean, yes, my, my, fa- my father was. And, uh, I think that, that, that I think they're trying to drag everybody out of retirement because so many banking institutions still depend on those systems, don't they? So I think you'd, you'd make a killing. It'd be far better off learning that than CSS at the moment. <laughs> true, so true. You can go to Fiverr for CSS. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, so, um, you, so you, uh, we've touched on this a little bit. You're you're in a startup, and like, if you put just your marketing hat on among all the other hats that you you own and 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 clearly own, uh, I mean that in the strongest sense of the word. Um, is that um, what advice will you give to marketers who are working with startups? Because it's a different kind of culture, and it's a different way of working as a marketer. And I, like you say, you know, we we've both done this. We've both worked with startups. Well. What would you say, what advice would you give to a marketer who's walking into a, a startup as a, as a role? I would say lead with empathy. Yeah. I think, you know, startups, I've, I've worked with every size company imaginable. Yeah. Everyone has different budgets. Everyone has different assets that they're starting with. Yeah. And so, you know, we all, as a marketer, we have to be flexible. Yeah. And at the end of it, we're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's, as I've worked for corporations where it hasn't felt like that, where yeah. it hasn't felt like on the same team. And and at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want our customers to be happy. We want the the company to be profitable. And Mm -hmm. we want to be proud of what we put out into the world, right? I mean, really, at the end of the day, we're all trying to get those things to happen. Sometimes we have to make compromises. And if you're a marketer who has maybe experience with one size company, or just understand it's going to be different. And and we have to be flexible with that. Um, And really leading with empathy is the best way to really understand it's not about, you know, marketing versus tech Mm -hmm. or marketing versus leadership. Mm -hmm. It's we're all on the same team. Yeah. What I've found, uh, I've been fortunate to advise um, various size companies. And what I I uh, recently was working with um, a a smaller client and I find that as a marketer, if you work with big corporates, you're in one piece of marketing, right? And you're, that mm-hmm. sort of, you're helping with the cog in the big machine. But when you're working with a smaller organization, you're seeing marketing in the raw, aren't you? You can yes. see a definite link between the activities you're doing and the revenue that's coming in and the fact that it's keeping people employed and how important that is. And for them, marketing is genuinely an investment. They have to consider if they put these dollars into this, it has to have a return. I think that do you have you found that in your career as well that it's it's quite it's quite. I mean, I would give anybody advice who works in big corporates if they can get an advisory role with a smaller organization, you get back to the core oh, elements of marketing. Down. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's no waste. I yeah, mean, yeah. It, and and I would say because you've seen it in corporate too, where there's yeah. just more waste, and somehow yeah. that's tolerated. And it's interesting yeah. coming from startup land, yeah. where you're looking at the dollars yeah. that are invested in the dollar, like yeah. you're really genuinely looking at ROI yeah. because the waste could mean someone's yeah. job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, sure. and it's, it's the, in how much runway you have yeah. as a startup. Yeah. I mean, realistically, that's what it means. And so you're always looking at the next best step. Yeah. What's the best place to invest this? And so all mm. of a sudden now you go from 
someone else's money and you start treating it like your own yeah, money as if yeah. it was your own household budget. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know how much money is coming into your household. And so yeah. do you, do you want to go, you know, yeah. spend thousands and thousands of dollars on something that maybe yeah. isn't going to benefit that household? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of feel like sometimes that's what corporate, some of the corporations, bigger corporations do, but as a startup, yeah. you really do need to be a lot more thoughtful and intentional about what mm. you're doing with mm. your marketing. And yeah. that's kind of what makes audio so great. Yeah. It's because just that just because I it it costs less than most people think. I mean, you yeah. know, you look at yeah, podcasts. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the editing of audio, mm -hmm. it's so much simpler now that yeah. they have a whole bunch of amazing yeah. tools like Descript and all yeah. the all the cool stuff out there. Yeah. Versus the the production investment that you have to make on video and some yeah. of the other things. Yeah. That's actually one of the reasons I think we've had so much success at Hello Audio yeah. in the last year. Is because this is it's rapid content creation, it's rapid yeah. testing, and yeah. it doesn't really cost that much money to get yeah. your voice out there. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does take investment, though. and I think one of the, it's like any kind of content form is you have to commit to it. You know, if yes. you're creating a, a a blog, a podcast, anything, you have to commit to it. So many people try these things out; they do five or six episodes or something like that. And then they're like, "Oh, this isn't working for me." Well, yeah. Sorry, mate. It's a it's a it's a two year gig, you know, or or a year or whatever it is that we need to give it. We need to we need to do that. So I like the way you brought it back to audio. Anyway, so we're <laughs> back to audio. <laughs> Very neatly done. And um, as we're coming up to time, I'm going to ask you the final question. Uh, so we have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool, named in honor of the old rock stars that used to throw things into hotel swimming pools. It's our portal to health, all the BS, snake oil, and overhyped trends. This craft of marketing we love throws up. What would you throw in the Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool? Oh, my God. There's so much crap I'd love to throw <laughs> in this swimming pool. Oh, so many things. Um, Oh my goodness! Coming from this space of the crazy internet mar marketing swamp, um, yeah. so many things I'd like to throw. I think one of the biggest ones for me, though, that kind of tends to push my buttons, mm -hmm. are this intense fear-based marketing shit. Really? This, yeah. like, and I know it works. Yeah. Right, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I look at the people who like that's the only yeah. tool in their toolbox. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I look at their marketing and every single thing they put out there is fear-based crap. Yeah. And I'm thinking how, you know, we, we all, I'm a consumer too. Where's the right? joy? Where's the joy? Like, yeah. tell me, do you really want to sell your stuff from a place of fear and mm. lack and scarcity? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. like, that's no, yeah. really? That's, that's the brand you're going for. I guess yeah. I just, I could do without all of that. I mean, there's so many things that's, that's probably a big one. I'll give you a bonus one just because it's also something that drives me crazy. Um, the webinar crap. Yeah. Why you're not live. Everyone yeah. freaking knows you're not live. Why, <laughs> why are we treating people like they're not intelligent? We all know this is not live. Can we uh -huh. stop pretending and just be adults? I feel like, it's, honestly, I feel like it's it's like where are the adults? Where are the yeah. why are we not marketing like adults yeah. here? Why yeah. are we pretend? Yeah. It's like when your kids lie. Did you brush your teeth? Yes. No, you didn't. I know you didn't. It's why? Why just be honest about it? It, it drives me nuts. I love this. And also, I mean, the, the sad part of what you said is that this stuff often works. And it's like, yeah, I know it works. I just don't want to do it. You know, I just don't want to. It's like remarketing. It's like a lot of what people want to throw in the pool when I talk to them. And some of it really does work. And you're like, but can we not do it? It would just be nice. 
Yeah. Can we just take a break? Can we, can we pause the fear break? Can we just do an experiment where we just put it off to the side for a little bit? Can we try something else? Yeah. yeah. It's like all this, um, all all this sort of, um, 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 hustle porn all this stuff that you see where everything's got to be so you know it's the opposite of fear but it's it's the same thing it preys on your emotions it's a little it's true (laughs) they may i will the thing that drives me nuts is most of my coaching clients will say oh i'm behind and i'm like that's shit you're just you're being made to believe that you're just behind yeah yeah. and so that's why you need that's why you're being felt like you need to buy stuff It, it is it's the hustle it's the please don't sleep yeah. Don't have, you know, all of the things don't and you're Netflix. behind. Yeah. Don't yeah. do, don't enjoy your life. Please don't. <laughs> don't. Why are we spending time with your kids? This is not part of the business plan. It's, it's insane to me. And it's, yeah, these God but, bless all the people that promote that stuff. Oh, uh, well, it's been, a, I've, I've loved this and it's been splendid to meet you, Nora, and, and, and have this chat. Now, if other people, if the listeners want to connect with you and they spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? I love it. So I'm on Instagram at Nora Suddeth. You can find me at norasuddeth.com. Mm. And I'm all over Hello Audio. So if you go to helloaudio.fm and sign up for a trial or just use the little chat bubble in the side of the site, you'll be able to reach me there as well. That's splendid. And I will, of course, include all the links in the show notes. It's been an absolute pleasure, Nora. I look forward to speaking to you again. Same. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you, Nora. I enjoyed that. Using podcasts and audio as part of our regular lead nurture or customer engagement, great opportunity there for us, especially if, to my earlier point, helps build their intimacy and differentiation. Good stuff. Right, it's Friday evening here. It's time to close down teams and stop by the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, grab a cocktail with my friend and content marketing guru and chief troublemaker at the content advisory, Robert Rose, and find out what's on his mind this week. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It is good to see you in the bar. Wow, it's crowded in here tonight. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, it. There seems to be some sort of. I guess it's. What is? What do you have? Like a mariachi band playing here in the background? That is you a know. mariachi band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it, is it Taco Tuesday? No, it's Friday. <laughs> what are we doing here? It is. There's a mariachi band, and is, is that a seal in the corner barking? A seal? I, I, I'm, 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 it's hard to hear you above all the rockets, the noise that there is here. Yeah, um, it's amazing. <laughs> anyway. I, 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 <laughs> we had quite a quiet week last week, so I'd completely forgotten of your shenanigans about uh, you know this is this is what i'm here to do this is what i'm uh, uh, this is uh, what i'm here to do is to throw a bomb into the middle of the table and 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 see what happens and make, <laughs> and, and make your saturdays that much longer that's what I'm well at least this about. saturday i'll be listening to mariachi music so while there they just pipe down <laughs> and the seal it's leaves. my it's at you're, you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> is, is, is the key there um we have a lovely, lovely mm-hmm. cocktail to end our yes. week on. One of my favorite um, is, uh, um, uh, and, and it's it's truly one of my favorites out there. Just a simple, simple, simple drink. Um, mm-hmm. It is a whiskey sour, and uh, it is you know so you get your highest quality whiskey that you possibly can. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I I prefer bourbon, 
myself. Yes. Um, but really just any whiskey that you like um, is, mm-hmm. is great here. A little bit of lemon juice. And then I just, I garnish it a little bit with uh, either a cocktail cherry or an orange peel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just to add that little bit of sweetness to it. And boy, is that, 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 is that good on a cold winter day? That is just fantastic That's stuff. Fun. That does sound fantastic. And I'm just going to have a rummage around on my desktop bar <laughs> and, yeah. and make a pretense that I have other bottles here. But I am actually going to... Oh, and did you put ice in that? It's not, uh, it's I not did, ice. yeah. I did a put ice rock. in that, yeah. Probably a big rock, no, you. I did a big rock is exactly right. Yeah. That's that's when what it I comes did. To, uh, yes. I do actually have some uh, some nice bourbon, but not by my desk. So I, I can't... I can't go for that. I do have, though, one of the most English of bourbons, uh, Bombay Sapphire Gin. Yes, that is the most English of bourbons, yes. In fact, that's the last of it. (laughs) Ah, the last of it. (laughs) So so there'll be a different gin next week, folks. (laughs) Very nice. And and then a dash of lemon, I think you put in, didn't you? That's right. That's right. I've got something similar to a dash of lemon. It's a big dash of uh, cucumber tonic water which will go into there uh, brought to us by fever tree those wonderful people who don't sponsor the show uh, and i have to give this a sip mm. whoa that's delicious robert i do like that yeah and what did you call it <laughs> that would be called a whiskey sour my friend it is very complicated yeah it's one of those uh you know there's no silent x or anything like that it's just a a whiskey, a whiskey sour. sour. I yeah. could drink a whiskey sour every week. I, you know, I suspect you might. That's <laughs> delicious. And where might we be consuming whiskey sours, my friend? Well, you know, I think we should probably go hang out uh, with mm. my good friend, um, Kathy McKnight, in Toronto. Uh, um, and that would be a fun trip to take just before the holiday be. to get into Toronto, which is the, you know, it's mm. the less new york new york um as yes. it were um because it's you know mm-hmm. well won't mm-hmm. go down I, I'll, I'll offend somebody from new york or toronto in the process here so i'll do neither of those things and just say i love mm-hmm. toronto um and yeah. i haven't been in a while because of the obvious reason but um yeah i think that's where we need to go is find a, a, a nice little you know what is great in uh not necessarily well you know what it would be good it would be good with our whiskey sour mm-hmm. here would be to go find some good japanese food japanese food, oh nice um, in toronto is is fantastic um yeah. and i think we should go find some good sushi and drink our whiskey sours i think we virtually near, maybe near the beginning of our world tour of virtual bars and our escape from lockdown I think we've had whiskey and sushi in, a, in in Japan before, but that sounds fantastic. And, and it'd be lovely to see Kathy. And Toronto is a wonderful city. I agree with you on that one. Uh, I think the last time I drank with Kathy was at uh, Oktoberfest in Munich. Very different vibe from a nice yeah, class. Very different vibe, yeah. Whiskey bar and some sushi. Yeah. So when you see her in Toronto, you must say hello. <laughs> Yes, I, I will. <laughs> I definitely will. So, Robert, we're in. We're here with Kathy in Toronto. What would we be talking about? Ah, uh, well, I think we're going to talk a little bit about messaging architectures. Wow. Um, yeah. So, messaging architectures is it? You know, and 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 you know why? First of all, what is a messaging architecture? Well, it's a pretty well worn path when we start thinking about it from a marketing and brand perspective. It's usually. Mm-hmm 
us trying to structure some level of consistency on, you know, how we're saying things, what we're saying, the words we use so that there is a documented artifact that uh, the business can use to say, here's how we should speak about X or Y or Z. And great, fantastic. Um, So that's why we create a messaging architecture and many brands have done so. And the interesting thing that I'm finding is, is that with the sort of rise of content marketing, of thought leadership, of storytelling, well, of course, messaging architecture comes into that as well. Mm -hmm. Because we all want to have the same point of view as a business or the same thought leadership perspective or what we think about the world as part of that. And this interesting tension I've seen arise, um, which is which comes first, um, the value proposition or our point of view on the world? Is it the story or is it our value in the story that comes first? And I mean, I'll give you an example of this, right? So a lot of times I see a business, classic, you know, business sort of approach to this and they'll say, okay, we're going to create a marketing campaign and we're the best in the world at this thing. And our unique value proposition is that our brand or our product or our service is an innovative player in the space of X. So now we have the leading or the most cutting edge or the paradigm changing version of Y. (laughs) And so we are now, here's our main value proposition. And so great. We settle that. Everybody goes, yep, that's true. And we go, great. Now let's create a story behind that. And we say, ah, yes, the world is changing and that the problem that Y solves is important. So what's our point of view on that? Well, we then build in this narrative that ultimately gets to customers to the point of our, we're the best at X and Y and and all those kinds of things. Think about it like this, right? So think about it in context with like HubSpot and inbound marketing. Yeah. And it might be that they discovered, hey, we have this marketing automation software solution for small businesses and it sends email and it builds landing pages. And so how's that different from all the other ones out there? I don't know. Well, because it's cheaper and it's easier to use for SMBs. And we believe that if it can help you get good at creating content fast, you'll get more traffic and thus more leads. And that leads us to come up with, okay, great. The customer really needs to be good at content and search engine marketing to get full advantage of that. Ah, we can help them with that. We can educate them to that. What's our point of view? Well, our point of view is that there's new way of marketing. It's called inbound marketing, et cetera. Now, I have no idea whether they did that or not. But what I do know is is that the other way around is also starting to become more common, which is, hey, our point of view is that there's a new way of marketing. It's called inbound. Great. What does that mean? It means that customers need to get good at search and content. Great. What does that mean? It means we should develop a product that basically has and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. You start with the point of view and you get to product and features and a unique value proposition, or you start with a unique value proposition and you get to the story. Which one is better, Right. Because Mm. the clients that I'm dealing with right now are doing it both ways, right? You've Mm. got brand people looking at design thinking and storytelling and thought leadership points of view and how it affects the ability to package up services. In this case, it's services. Um, Or they've got other people out in the field coming up with new services and they're trying to figure out what the story is. And they're not connecting those two things. And it's a problem. And The key is that you have to connect them. And Mm. ideally, now this is me, and remember I'm biased this way, I believe (laughs) that point of view is better first. I believe Mm. that if you can, you come up with the story, the point of view, the problem, the job to be done, if you like that framework, first. 
But yeah. I know in the real world, it doesn't always work that way. The yeah. challenge is, is that when we've got these new products that people have come up with that engineers yeah. or product development people or, you know, whatever it is, yeah. they don't often start with that. They start with, this is a great new product and we need to sell it. So let's come up with a story to, to figure out mm. how to sell it. The problem, and this is the big problem, and the one that we can sort of have a discussion about is what, you know, one, if they're not connected, but more importantly is if we're coming up with a unique value proposition that doesn't comport or agree with the yeah. story we've already been telling. Yeah. In other words, we've had this point of view on the world for 10 years, but now, well, we're changing our mind, right? Mm -hmm. We, you know, we have to come from this point of view first, you know, otherwise it's just not going to be believable. Yeah. So we have to ask ourselves, why are we establishing this unique value proposition or why are we coming up with this story? Because we have to believe it first and be able to connect it before any of it's going to work. Yeah. And this is a, I mean, this is more than a one whiskey sour conversation. For sure. oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I was working with a smaller client uh, recently and I kind of was doing like a messaging matrix for them and I flipped it around and really thought about what I started with is what is it the client needs from them? They're a service business, right? So what is it the client needs from them? And then, and how do they want to feel about this organization? And then work the story from there. But also I've done the opposite, exactly as you say, which is um, to think about the story that you want to tell and trying to make sure you tell it well. Um, and But either way, I mean, you just made me chuckle when you were saying like pa leading, paradigm shifting. As long as we're not doing that shit, then yeah. then uh, then we're in a good place, right? With, whether you take one approach or the other <laughs> yeah. approach, as long as you don't if wind the up. Words paradigm shifting don't appear anywhere in our messaging <laughs> document. We're doing. Yeah. We're already off on the right foot. Yes. Or even leading. I mean, just you know, but, but yes. Or sure. So, or well, innovative, right? Or yeah, innovative. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. But that. Then now we're going to need another whiskey sour just to talk about all the words we can't use. So That's where? Right. So where are you leaning at the moment? Which, which, which I mean, which, which way? You, which way are you looking? You you're pref you want the organization to tell their story, right? I want them to connect it and have an understanding because the problem I find is not that they don't recognize the need for both, mm -hmm. but the problem is, is the recognition that they need to be connected. Yeah. In other words, what, what happens typically, you know, at the most tactical level is yeah. that product and salespeople typically go, Hey, as soon as I have a clear, unique value proposition, I'm all good. Like yeah. I don't need anything more. And so yeah. often they don't go any further than that. They don't actually connect it back to a story, right. right? Right. Marketing and brand people often do the opposite. They'll come up yeah. with a story, but then don't know how to connect it to the actual unique value proposition, right? Yeah. And so, and so the, the problem is you have two elements of the business working in a silo from each other, right. on two very distinct challenges, and they don't connect those things. Yeah. So if they can't see the connection, if they don't make the connection, the customer never does. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, um, it would be the equivalent yeah. of basically think of it this way. It would be the equivalent of Apple saying, hey, listen, the brand people are saying, put a thousand songs in your pocket and, you know, talk about, mm. you know, the lifestyle of technology and how it helps mm. you dance better and, you know, all those mm. kinds of things like they do with their brand commercials. Mm. And mm. then the marketing and sales material all said stuff like, you know, you know, 
four gigabytes of storage and you, yeah. to, you know, look at internet connectivity at two, you know, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. It's like, yeah. those are the features and benefits, but we're not connecting it to that, that, yes. uh, you know, that brand message. Yes, absolutely. So, um, to, so to visualize this, and if we were drawing on the napkin that we've just uh, grabbed from the bar, are you seeing this as kind of like a matrix? So at one end, whether we start from one direction or the other end, the other direction is the story and that that drives down to proof points of the products and the features and functions, but the whole thing is connected. It's exactly right. It's a, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a true messaging architecture, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it does connect all the way through up, yeah. you know, and it's basically, honestly, it's taking classic messaging architectures, whichever metaphor you like, yeah. you know, there's the brand house, there's the messaging house, there's, there's yeah. all sorts of different ways to look at this in terms of, you know, there's a pyramid structure and there's, mm. you know, all sorts of mm. things to the hierarchical yeah. sort of structures. Basically, it's building an extra, you know, it, it's either building an extra basement or an extra uh. attic, right? <laughs> which is, yeah. you know, really pulling it all the way through from, you know, I mean, we have, we do have a construct that we call the story pyramid, which does take it all the way from, you know, a, a messaging architecture of a story, um, and all the way up to a value proposition, um, for, for product and sort of, and you can work your way up or down. We find again, biased, um, because it's just the way we work. We find that working your way up the pyramid, in other words, working your way from story up to value proposition is easier. Um, but we also recognize that it's not often pragmatic, right? Because yeah. in many existing old classic businesses, they're still in that classic, we develop products that need to be sold, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, and there may or may not be in many of those cases, good, you know, design thinking or uh, jobs to be done thinking in the product development. It may simply be like, hey, we're coming out with a new version of this Mm -hmm. phone or we're coming out with a new version of this widget Mm -hmm. and it just needs Mm -hmm. to be sold. And Mm -hmm. sorry, that's the way it is, right? Yeah. A bunch of us didn't do any research. We just thought it was a great idea. (laughs) Right. That's, you know, right. That's exactly right. And so it's, it's, it's in many ways. And, you know, we could, we, again, over much more uh, than one whiskey sour, we can have a debate over whether that's a good business strategy. But yeah. as marketing practitioners, we often don't get the choice, right? We yeah, don't, yeah. you know, we, the, real out, the reality of the world is we are often handed products and say, yeah. make this work. And, yeah. and, and that's, you know, that's just got to be okay. And we have to have yeah. a way to do that. Yeah, no, I love it. And there's so many threads in this. And, but uh, I need to, um, I guess I need to call time on the number of whiskey sours I'm allowed to have during one podcast interview. What I wanted to do, though, and it's just out of reach in my bookshelf behind me, is is reach for managing content marketing and see if that's what you were referring to way back when you wrote that book. Um, But uh, that would be... That would, I don't know whether that would be good or bad, but I, I you're lucky you're lucky because I'm always referring to it. It's just out of reach, and I want to flick through it and see where it is in that book that you talked about. That and talking. I don't think you'll find it. I mean, you may find snippets of that idea yeah. in that book. That yeah. book is pretty dated at this point. <laughs> that book is. I mean, there's some things in there that I'm really proud of because it came out in 2008 or whatever. But but um, I think the book that would have most of this idea in it would be the experiences, the seventh era of marketing. Yeah. That would really be 
where you know where we start to look at mm -hmm. the messaging and the content and the, at, that we're creating much more as importantly as we do our products and services where it becomes valuable because it's we're telling a great story yeah and i've got that book too i think it's excellent and um so talking of your writing, Robert, and I went down a little rabbit hole there with your book. Um, what, uh, where would people find your, your current writing? Uh, well, you'll find the current writing at our little hovel on the web at contentadvisory.net. That's splendid. And when the listener spins the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? They'll find me mostly these days on LinkedIn um, and, uh, and a bit on Twitter. Um, so either of those places would love to connect with anybody. Splendid. And that's Robert underscore, underscore Rose on Twitter. I will, of course, include all your links in the show notes. And most importantly, will I see you in the bar next week? I, if you're going to promise another mariachi band and then we're all good, <laughs> yeah. I'll see you next week, yeah. You know, those guys are only here for you anyway, so I'm sure they'll come back. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thank you very much, mate. I'll see you then. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Robert. I started the show rambling on about storytelling and some great points there from an actual expert. So that's a wrap on episode 92 of the Rockstar CMO Airfing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Nora and Robert for joining me and for sharing their insight. Please follow them, say hello, check out their work, and I'll link to all of that in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, does the world need another Epic Marketing Podcast? Let us know with a nice rating or review in your favourite podcast app, or share your thoughts with us at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. Or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff continues his vacation. I'll be chatting with Rebecca Beastman, CMO of Reputation.com. And I'll again be joined by Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you again join us here next week at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.